0: Welcome to the Line Break Podcast. Uh, My name is Chris Corlew, and with me, as always, is my co-host and friend, Bob Sikora. Hey there. We are here. Um, So this week we're talking about uh, self-portraits in poems. Um, We kind of accidentally stumbled on this theme, uh, just texting each other about what we've been reading this week. Um, It's admittedly something I haven't thought about much, but Bob, ever since you pointed it out, it is absolutely everywhere uh to phrase it the way you did what the heck does it mean to write a self-portrait and why do people why do poets keep calling their poems self-portraits my first introduction to the idea of a self-portrait was visual art uh, because that's an easy way to explain a self-portrait to an elementary school kid here's an artist painting themselves um my concept with self-portraiture in poetry probably came during undergrad um You know, I I couldn't point to the first one I ever saw, but yeah, they're they're everywhere. And it's more nebulous in poetry. A painter can, of course, distort themselves or include various objects to make a point or highlight a theme or whatever, but the poet's only tool is language, and what's written down will be interpreted differently by different people, which is kind of a terrifying thought if you write a self-portrait and then someone gets you totally wrong (laughs) (laughs) but that said I think that there might be something freeing about taking away the ambiguity of who readers think the I in the poem is or to just like freely open freely and openly write about yourself you know whether that's in a negative or positive light but I'll toss it back to you Bob what do you think it means to write a self portrait and why is it so popular why do poets keep doing it
1: I don't know (laughs) (laughs)
0: To both oh, man you're the you're the educated one in
1: this <laughs> um, well, so like the kind of first thing that comes to mind um when I see or like I guess I've seen it enough times that it doesn't i don't pause when I see a poem titled self portrait as or self portrait whatever sure, same um, here. but when I like stop and think about it, you know, I kind of just think about like how many poems that are not called self portrait have a first person speaker and are somehow reflecting on themselves among possibly other themes and issues and whatever but yeah to me there seems to be some dissonance about trying to identify like what exactly that would be signaling with a title i mean kind of thinking of generally i expect a title to instruct me a little bit in how to read whatever i'm reading sure um and i guess maybe that layer of instruction it should do something and i'm not i'm not finding the words for trying to to explain right. it.
0: it should do something and yeah you're right there are plenty of poems plenty of like full-length collections where the eye is pretty obviously the poet there's mm-hmm. you know confessional poetry exists um yeah there's there's tons of stuff out there that does exactly this but why specifically put self-portrait in the title um, cuz yeah it should it should tell the reader something to include those words
1: yeah. i mean i guess there's probably some level of basic answer of it is very much instructing hey this is really about me
0: right right <laughs>
1: um, yeah but i mean i guess also it does um I, I guess neither of our poems do this but i do think there is there's room for there's poems self portrait as something which again like that's also sure yeah in visual art and painting that happens. And I think that is this like pointing to it's about me and pointing to me in a context that's not how I normally am. Right, know? right. I guess the, yeah, me, so me in
0: a context that's extremely not me, but right. how it would be. Yeah.
1: Right, yeah. Which is very um,
0: fun too. I do like those. Yeah.
1: That's true. And as I'm like saying that, I'm like, I, I've written this poem. I have done this. Poem. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I should have read your chapbook before, uh, or reread your unreleased manuscript before we recorded this, so I could call you out on it if there was one.
1: It's in there. It is in there. <laughs> what an asshole!
0: Self-portrait as a utopia. I, Bob Zakora am a utopia.
1: Pretty close. You're not far <laughs> off there.
0: <laughs> I love it. What a flex. <laughs> Uh, uh, oh boy yeah yeah I um I could only come up I, I I couldn't come up with a lot of examples it is like something you see everywhere but um I couldn't come up with a lot of just like off the top like yeah here's an example I feel well, for like me it I know Franco Mejera has a ton but
1: right for me it was when you sent me your poem I was like wait I know there are plenty of self-portrait poems and yeah I just did the google search you know took me to poetry foundation took me to poets.org, you know, and even just there, there was a list of them, and I, I certainly didn't recognize all of them, yeah. Um, but, you know, a few, I was like, oh, I do know this one. That's that's how I found my poem this week. I was like, oh, I love this poem, um, right. and so a couple more.
0: Poets.org had, like, a list of self- portrait poems like the same way like basketball reference has a list of like all-time meeting scores because that's a fun search function that i don't know about
1: <laughs> i wish it was like like that more just self-portrait was the keyword in
0: oh okay like, okay poets okay. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> uh, poetsreference.com does not exist with all of the stats uh and adva- the advanced statistics of poets
0: oh that'd be that, that'd be great <laughs> like instead of like franchise index it's like Sonnet index, <laughs>
1: <laughs> alliteration per poem and alliteration per line kind of rates, and you yeah. know the yeah
0: yeah. Or like oh. you know instead of like okay, here's this player's like stats when they're playing in Chicago versus when they're playing in <laughs> Seattle. Here's this poem stats when they were in their MFA. Here's this poem stats when they were living in this New would York. Be
1: awful. This would be so <laughs> awful. Thinking <laughs> about all the ways that you know like poBiz makes this feel competitive and, like, gross and and everyone (laughs) everyone feels bad about themselves, let's definitely have data and statistics for poets. Yeah, let's add
0: math nerd to that. Oh,
1: boy. Well, that was a gross direction for us to go down.
0: Words per line, lines per <laughs> stanza. Oh, boy. Um, right, let's, just, let's just read a poem. I Why guess you'll read
1: a poem? a poem. Yeah, I'll read a poem in response. To that. good. Uh, this is uh, Self Portrait, 1969, by Frank Bidart. He's still young. 30, but looks younger. Or does he? In the eyes and cheeks tonight. Turning in the mirror, he saw his mother. Puffy, angry, bewildered. Many nights now, when he stares there, he gets angry. Something unfulfilled there. Something dead to what he once thought he surely could be. Now, just the glamour of habits. Once, instead, he thought insight would remake him. He'd reach... What, the thrill, the exhilaration, unraveling disaster that seemed to teach necessary knowledge, became just jargon. Sick of being decent, he craves another crash. What reaches him, except disaster?
0: God, it's a got punch on the ball. <laughs>
1: um i practice reading that and i still a little bit hate the way i read it i read it I, the way i read it, it the way i read it um for uh, a theoretical listener out there um who does not have this poem pulled up in front of them um because i don't expect you to do homework um to listen to a podcast <laughs> <laughs> uh I, and I guess i'm gonna ramble about this in a little bit but uh there's a lot of dashes um ellipses semicolons all over this poem um and uh it feels like a lot of stop and start. Um,
0: yeah. I've always wondered about that with the uh, poetry. I have like no acting training,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, but I'm married to an actor and my best friend is an actor. So I've, you know, seen scripts before and I'm just like, I don't know how you guys turn these lines into <laughs> anything that sounds uh, <laughs> like not like cheesy. I don't know. I don't use a ton of ellipses in my writing because mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to make it um, sound exactly the way I want it to, and I feel like it's really specific. I thought you did a good job reading it. Or, yeah. well, I like the way you read it. But, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's hard when you're reading someone else's poem to know what they mean by an ellipses and an M-dash, yeah.
1: And I guess, I guess, like, yeah, I think that's the key is, like, those... What keys. they mean sonically, I mean. Right, yeah, I was going to say, I normally... Appreciate. I think a lot of a lot of poets do give you that kind of signal, whether it be the line break, whether it be you know the punctuation, whatever. And this one, there's just so many and so different kinds of like those signals that yeah, it felt like am I am I? So I don't know. I just caught myself towards the end where I was like, oh, I didn't like the way that read, but that's okay. That's okay.
0: (laughs) I get it though. I get it though. And and with with signals like that, with ellipses and uh, em dashes and, and punctuation of all kinds, I always catch myself thinking about like well, like, how did people talk in 1969? Because um, <laughs> like, I feel like when I do use that stuff, I'm very much very consciously writing what I think is my own voice, mm-hmm. um, which is usually on fucking Twitter of all places. <laughs> but, but I know I'm, like, very consciously using tone and stuff right. like that when I use that kind of stuff. So I always am curious to, like, hear what the writer would read it as. Um, right. Let's uh, let's get into categories. Why uh, why
1: this poem, man? I mean, essentially, it was uh, this me doing some searching um, after you had sent me your poem for the week because um, I hadn't thought of this poem in a few years. Um, and yeah, this, this light went off. I was like, "There's a ton of self portrait poems. I should find one." And I, I found several that I I liked and some that I hadn't even read before. But this one popped up, and I just I I had forgotten how much I loved it, how much it affected me. This is I read this. I believe the first time I read this um, was in Frank Bidart's collected, which is putting it out there for everyone. My, you know, some of my reading limitations. This is the only collected works of any poet that I've read front to back, and I don't know quite why I finished this one. I think a little bit was like perfect time in my life. Um, it was about a year after it came out. It got awards and hype and et cetera. And it's a it's interestingly well curated collected in that it like starts in the middle of his career goes backwards and then goes forward again i there's some organizing way okay. yeah that like i don't know it works a little bit differently in terms of like giving you um that evolution of his voice but anywho this yeah, was
0: kinda cool. i do the collect is the same way where it's like you know i'll pick up like one section one day and then like a month later I'll come back to another section right
1: yeah yeah, yeah. Um, it, yeah, I mean, that's a weird... It's an intense reading experience to, like, go through everybody's stuff.
0: Right, right.
1: Um, but this was a little bit after my MFA. I had just moved back to Chicago for the third time, I think. I was crashing um, with at my friends, Kevin and Kate, in their apartment, in their extra room. It was a miserable cold winter. I was alone in this apartment a lot. Job stuff was very much up in the air. And so I was just, this like, really... Pretty cruddy mental health time in my life, um, and as the poem's first two lines like point you to, I had just turned thirty, probably six months before then, and so you know, just in a, a very um, intense way. From line one, I was I was on board, and you know, I think I think the poem works regardless, but you know, particularly that little like moment kicked my ass.
0: Yeah, there is that. Um, I think there is that feeling when you turn thirty that you kind of have to consciously remind yourself that you're still young <laughs> like he does in the first line. Uh, and then, yeah, sometimes like there, there are times, especially as you age, I think when you catch glimpses of yourself in the mirror and you, you look like one of your parents. And that is like, I'm all, I, my family's funny cause I've always looked like my mom. My brother's always looked like my dad mm-hmm. and it's like very, I mean, we're all white. So, you know, how different can we look? But like my dad and my brother have like blue eyes and like, blonde or sandy colored hair right you know they're both balding my mom and I are both um like relatively like tan skin with dark thick hair and um it's we've just always been like right down the middle um our Mm -hmm. entire lives but then like maybe I've noticed it more since I had my kid who weirdly enough looks exactly like my grandmother (laughs) Um, (laughs) as a baby Um, maybe it's just like a baby old person thing But, like, I'll look at myself, and I'll be like, I look like my mom, like, so much. Right. But, yeah, it's a a, a realization sometimes that does make you feel older. I lost the thread, but, like, yeah, when you're 30, you have to, like, consciously remind yourself, like, I'm still young. I've still got time ahead of me. Like, I'm not.
1: A million percent.
0: It's not like we're in Hollywood. We're not aging out of, like, roles, you know?
1: Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, a million percent uh, agree of, of, I'm, you know, still regularly need to re- remind myself that I'm, I'm still relatively young. Um, and that's funny to hear you say that. Cause for me, it's, it's very similar right up at the top there. I have that exact same thing where I look it. I don't know when it hit me, but it's kind of funny, just how much like I lived my whole life, not thinking about this. Then eventually it was like, Holy shit. I look exactly like my mom. And uh, I, I've just been like, we had some of my grandparents pictures, uh, digitized recently, and so I've been looking at these pictures of my mom as a kid, and it's just like totally messing with me. How much we look alike then we look like now, um, and yeah, I don't know. There's something, something about that feeling that puts you very in touch with
0: mortality.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It, 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 it's it's hard to quite put a thing because like, it's not a positive or a negative thing. I don't think. Like, right. In just, some ways, it's
1: it, it's really cool. You
0: yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. But you, you just like I guess when you're maybe it's something like when you're a kid you're like very consciously aware of how different you look from your parents and when you're an adult it's a little bit different and yeah and as when you hit when you hit the big like benchmark at ages like thirty it it feels maybe it feels more acute. I don't know. But yeah, this is a um this is a poem I can see resonating when you're at a low point in your life um and yeah that oh the he thought insight would remake him he'd reach what the thrill the exhilaration unraveling disaster that seemed to reach necessary knowledge became just jargon um yeah uh you know we're I think we're gonna end up talking a lot about mental health in this episode but um I've been out of therapy for a little while because of financial reasons but like therapy is really good at giving you ways to identify your problems and mm-hmm. giving you uh, ways to name like what's going on with you. Right. At least that's my experience. Um, and, and it's really effective and it, it, it's, it's, it's really helped me a lot. Um, but then, yeah, there are some times where that crushing feeling is so overwhelming that it is just like, you can't say the buzzwords anymore. Yeah. You no. Know? Um, and like, yeah, it becomes jargon and, then, I mean, I don't know, sometimes there are some days where I'm just like, I am just going to be going through the motions today. And I just have to sit with that um, right. or like, I'm just going to feel bad today. And I'm just going to have to sit with that. And he puts it all in four lines. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I I love the way
1: you just kind of you broke that down I don't think I had quite read the lines like that and I, I like get you 100% with what you're saying when you were like mid-sentence I was gonna say you know one of the yeah for me the great things about therapy is because it gives you a vocabulary to talk about yourself and what you're feeling and what you're going through Absolutely. and that's exactly it is when things are low just that vocabulary or like maybe like the narratives we use to understand ourselves and to explain ourselves and to get up every day when you're at your low, like that narrative just falls apart and just it, you know, it, it looks meaningless. It look, I think jargon is such a good word because not just that idea, have like, Oh, this language doesn't mean anything, but like that this language means so much less than the pedestal you put it on. than the, you know, uh,
0: right. It's because it's language. It's, it's frequently language that you have to adapt, I think. Mm-hmm. you know um so it's like so yeah i, I i'm comfortable doing this one one thing <laughs> that i uh had uh early on in my therapy sessions was like i was having a lot of panic attacks i was like mm-hmm. new dad and um uh you know um unemployed and uh just was really struggling with with both of those things right. and it manifests itself in a lot of panic attacks and i was like like, one of the first things I asked my therapist was, like, I don't know what to do with with all these anxiety attacks. Like, sometimes it's, like, you know, really crippling where I'm just, like, out of commission for, like, a day, and, like, all I can do is, like, make sure my kid's taken care of and fed, and sometimes it's, like, I just have this, like, low-grade buzz, you know, like, Mm -hmm. just, just anxiety. And she was, like, well, when you feel a panic attack coming on, try this, like, grab an object and, like, close your eyes and hold the object and, like, feel it, think about what material it's made out of, name it, Uh, think about what it's used for, and, like, all this other stuff, you know. Right. I still use that to this day. I don't have very many panic attacks anymore. Um, uh, I've gotten to a lot better place, but, like, I still use that to this day, and there are some times, and and I've gotten pretty good at stopping panic attacks when they come on, Mm -hmm. but, like, there's still some times where, like, I'll be, like, I don't know. Let's say I'm like, I don't know, in the bathroom, like gripping a towel or in the kitchen, like gripping, a. Uh, I uh, want to say a knife. That sounds bad. <laughs> Not, <laughs> like gripping a, what do you, what do you touch in the kitchen? Like the coffee maker or something. Hey. And I'll be like, and you know, I'll be, I'll be thinking about it and then I'll be thinking about the fact that I'm thinking about doing this exercise yes. and yes. it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm doing the thing to stop the panic attack and, yep then when, as soon as you become conscious, you like break that fourth wall, you get meta about it. It just collapses. Um, Right.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's so good. That is exactly it with the word jargon is that when you recognize something as jargon, you are conscious of it. You're thinking about it outside of the thing. And that, I don't know, it makes this it it I guess it like creates this recognition that the the words you're saying are smaller and less meaningful than, um, right, than you might want them to be. Yeah, because um, it's a
0: word that you didn't know until you were in therapy, which for a lot of right. people in our generation, I was 30, you know, when I went to right. therapy.
1: <laughs> um, um, and I, yeah, I was very much coming at this from, you know, I, I see jargon and I think um, teacher jargon as a oh, teacher. Sure. And I just, I, yeah, I associate that with like workplace things. And that's exactly what, you know, what I thought here is, um, uh when this moment of realizing like what is jargon i'm just imagining i don't know you know uh the the day like don draper is slumped over his desk in his office and goes like what the fuck is synergy (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. That was a very bad Don Draper voice, but I felt like I needed to, do well, it, it, it was
0: it was very bad, but it sounded like if Don Draper was eighty years old when the word synergy was invented,
1: <laughs> which might be about right. <laughs> I've never worked in an office. I don't know how this stuff happens.
0: <laughs> oh, amazing. <laughs> Let's go to the next category. What's um what is the um what's the move in this poem for you? What's the uh, what's the move? All righty.
1: Um, and, and we we sort of talked about this already, but I feel like as I was trying to explain why this was working for me, um, I kind of went all over the place, which is probably not surprising. I guess that was kind of my first thought when I was thinking about like what the what the move is. I was like, man, what? Why did I? If, am I going to bring in Frank today? Um, because He's got a ton of really good stuff. And and when I was reading uh, his collected, he has a lot of, I guess in general poems, but, but I think I I remember too, like of longer poems where he did this couplets and then a single line, couplet, single line, couplet, single line. I started trying to write in that form. And I found, like I just spaced
0: like- Spaced out form.
1: Right. Yeah. And I really loved it. Yeah. Um, so I, I associate that with him. But one of the other things that I do associate with him is uh these these moves that we kind of talked about uh, these grammatical moves that I think have a lot to do with with pace and controlling the pace like you said like you I would never dare using an ellipses in a poem um in part because yeah. it it generally to me kind of reeks of this like cheesiness I don't know like in a galaxy far far away or you know, yeah I, yeah that's the context that I think of it but to throw the the ellipses, the dashes, the italicized words, the uh, there's this run of um semicolons that, that don't quite make sense. They just like really make you stop for the list. Puffy semicolon, angry semicolon, bewildered ellipses. Um and he's he's a he's a good enough poet that I I don't I don't know my my uh composition teacher um <laughs> Uh, bat signal doesn't go off <laughs> deciding I want to fix all this stuff um, but I, I guess what I'm getting at is that these are all there I think to really control kind of how quickly I threw I moved through the poem and instructing, it, instructing me in terms of sound um, which as I said I apparently threw me off in my reading so when I was thinking really hard about this poem which is I forget that grad school feeling <laughs> even even undergrad, of, like, I'm going to really overthink this poem and I'm going to write my way through it, and eventually you say something where you're like, oh, shit, that's kind of cool. Like, I actually do believe that. Sure. Um, so I'm, like, looking at the pace and thinking about these effects, and then I got distracted by, again, this idea of it's a self-portrait and that there's this dissonance of a self-portrait poem that's in the third person
0: yeah i, I right? was I wanted to call attention to that too yeah right and um, so
1: it kind of got me thinking about how I think all of those all that punctuation that's doing this sonic work of controlling how quickly I can read the poem to me that that felt like not just um we talk a lot in this in the podcast about um poet logic and the way ideas kind of move and swim and jump, um but it also felt like the logic of an inner monologue. Yeah, um, yeah. And I I very much could envision this as like a voiceover in a movie of 30-year-old dude looking at himself in the mirror and then this poem is being read.
0: Right, like a look at that guy, he's doing this kind of thing. Yeah,
1: and yeah. That, and that that got into I don't know how just how interesting this this works as I'm going to use this poem to think about myself, thinking about myself. Yeah. And I guess, I think that all this goes to say is that that is, for me, something I love about poetry in general. And I guess, like, I think that this so self- Maybe this is why poets do the self-portrait technique. Here we go. <laughs> it's all finally coming back together. Is that it feels like, through the poem, he's coming to understand this thing, that he... Might not have been able to understand without pulling himself out of himself and writing
0: a self-portrait. Oh, sure. Okay. Does that make sense? That makes sense for this poem, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and especially the use of the uh, of the third person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. That's like a uh, yeah, a, a pulling pulling back, reflecting. Do you oh, have a... Yeah. I uh, I never thought about this as a writing technique. Um, uh-huh. But do you have a tense that you talk to yourself in? <laughs> like, is it always I? Or do you ever um, say me? like? So okay, I'm I'm either I like a normal uh, person, like right. I gotta do this, I gotta do that, or sometimes I'll be like, so I don't know why why I do this. I don't know when it started, but it's, I've been doing it since I was a kid. Like, I'll, I'll I'll say we like we gotta do this, we gotta do that. Mm. Um, and now I say that pretty much all the time because most of my thoughts are talking to my two-year-old. <laughs> right. But, um, yeah. For a long time, I've been like, "All right, we gotta, we gotta get dinner on the table. We gotta work on the novel. We gotta this. We gotta long-term goal. We got a short-term goal. We gotta this, that. The
1: you know, royal like we here. yeah,
0: a royal <laughs> we. And I, I don't know why. I, I don't know when it started, but like, yeah. Sometimes I'll, I'll say, okay, I gotta. I got to go cook dinner. And then sometimes mm-hmm. I'll say, oh, we need to get dinner on the table. <laughs> and I don't know why. <laughs> um, so yeah, do you have a... Uh...
1: I, I don't do that. Okay. That's really interesting to me. Yeah. Um, and when when you first said it, yeah, I was going to go like, wait, do I ever in my head think of myself third person? And I don't. And then I was moving to, I think because you said tense and I was like, wait, how do I think about myself? Is it present tense? Is it past tense? Is oh, it, sure. yeah. You know? And I... I
0: yeah, and I meant um conjugation or whatever whatever the proper grammar term is, but not not tense, but yeah. Right.
1: Now I don't know what I do.
0: But I, I could guess... see people stepping into second person every once in a while. I could see people Right. You look in the mirror and you're like, you gotta get together or whatever. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh definitely when you're giving yourself a pep talk. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's really interesting of you have this internal collectivizing. And I guess what I was thinking about with this poem in particular, that third person is this sort of distancing from yourself to understand yourself better.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 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 That's, yeah, I, let's get back to the context of the poem. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I was just thinking, I, I, I mean, I, 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 do, I, yeah, I guess every episode I want to make a theory. I guess. <laughs> and, and this might be my theory of the, the self portrait poem is that even though you're writing about yourself by calling attention to the fact that you're writing about yourself. Now I guess you're not really distancing. Are you? I don't know.
0: Well, are you distancing? Or are you just like, are you just admitting to yourself that you projecting about yourself? yourself onto the page? Yeah,
1: admitting something to yourself—that feels like all my poems, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I I do a lot of admitting things to myself in my poems. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh my. But yeah, I I like it as a technique. Though I, I like that you brought it up because it it is you know I think e- even. You know, people use writing as therapy a lot, like even if they're right. not like aiming to be published and like mm-hmm. you have that device of like putting it down on the page and then like and having the ability to step outside yourself with a with a different um narrative perspective. I
1: like that phrasing of yeah, of even if it's about yourself, you're still stepping outside of yourself and yeah, a different you can a different perspective on it
0: yeah there are a lot of steps from the brain to the page right and yeah yeah goodness (laughs) oh boy all right all right what's going on beyond the page if we haven't covered it all already
1: (laughs) we covered a lot of it we definitely covered a lot of it being 30 insecurity um aging mortality but for some reason this reminded me of there was a tweet recently where someone was asking, "Does everybody do that thing in that in their head where they pretend they're on a podcast?" <laughs> <laughs> which is which is funny because right now we are on a podcast. We are on a podcast. <laughs> but I I one thousand percent for years and years and years when I'm in the zone in my head, imagine I'm being interviewed, <laughs> and sometimes sure. in like a really productive way. I do think like it has made me think about my work and like being able to explain my work to someone. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> but somehow. This poem reminded me of that. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it was just the. You know, I guess, yeah, because it that third personness and that looking at himself, reflecting on himself again, like somehow allowed him to understand understand himself a little bit better. Yeah, that creating that distance. But I, I mean, really, I guess beyond the page and all of that aging and insecurity stuff, I I can really relate. That ending hit me so hard uh what and this is italicized what reaches him except disaster yeah um and uh, yeah this this recognizing of patterns, whatever those disasters are, and their mistakes or choices, whatever, but that moment where you recognize um that you keep making these choices, perhaps yes. maybe that you even like making these choices, yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, certainly, again, that first time I read this, um, that felt very true to me. Bob, you uh, don't have a job, and you're alone in your friend's apartment, and it's because of the choices you've made. Like, this, this is what you get. And three, four years later now, I guess it's not quite four years, but three, three and a half years later, sitting in my own apartment, Snowden in kansas city and i don't have any friends here <laughs> no, it is this moment of like and like i'm mostly doing well i i'm you know fairly happy so far with my move but i had definitely right. the moments where i'm down here it's it's looking in the mirror and being like this you did it again
0: yeah
1: you, you know i've i've moved four or five times since i you know turned 18 like if you if you sit down and settled somewhere maybe you wouldn't be so alone
0: but uh, <laughs> We just like is, being alone we've we've talked about this on the on the on the podcast before where you <laughs> feel like you need a reset every like four or five years. That's a problem, um, but I mean you know some people are like that you're not the only person I know who's like like,A,
1: this is true, this is true
0: um, i mean i I could see a world where I'm like you if I'm not married and right <laughs> we're idly we're watching um interview now I can't remember the writers but it was, like, late at night, and it was, like, some interview, and it was a professor, and it was a uh, former student of his interviewing, Okay. and, um, oh, that's it, yeah, it was uh, George Saunders and uh, Nana Kwame at a uh, Ajay mm-hmm. Um I always stumble over his last name, I'm so sorry, Nana, um, uh, in conversation about Saunders' new book, and I was remarking to Mal, like, oh, how cool is that, that, like, you know, he's like a student, a former student, and, like, gets to, you know, is, is in a pr- place where it makes sense that he interviews him because he himself has his own award-winning book and things like that now. It's like, man, right. this, this is – and, the, like, the way they were talking about writing was so positive. that I was like, man, this almost makes me want to, like, go get an MFA. And, like, now just, like, casually, like, because of pandemic stuff, was like, well, I can work from home anywhere. Um, where, where do you want to go? And I was like, I don't want to go anywhere. I want to stay here. I want to go get an MFA. <laughs> like, this is a positive – Interview that's like really making me like feel warm and like excited about writing, but no, we're not. I'm not moving to for them Syracuse. I'm not moving to Syracuse. <laughs> um, uh, I had a reason for bringing this up. Uh, oh, the choices you've made is like right. the. Uh, I, I have that thought a lot of times where like you know because I dropped out of grad school not for an MFA but for a for an MA in English, and it was like you know. The reason that I never got so far in the professional world that, you know, I made so little money I couldn't afford like childcare and now I have to like, I don't have to be a full-time dad. I like being a full-time dad and I like being a writer and a musician and podcaster. God, I'm a (laughs) podcaster. (laughs) I I like where I'm at in life, but you know, like money's tight and things like that. And yeah, when, when I have those, those stressful moments of like money's tight or like, the day-to-day is hard or whatever. I I do have those, like, uh, these are all because of the choices you made. Mm -hmm. You um, should have done X, Y, and Z differently. And you would have be like a successful music producer now, or you'd be a this or a that, or or you'd be a Hollywood screenwriter right now making, you know, uh, syndication money or something like that. And so like, yeah, no matter how happy I am with my station in life. Yeah. I have those moments too, where it's like, Oh, all these choices I made, like, yeah. have made me feel shitty now. Uh, <laughs> even though it's just, even though it's just the depression talking,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, even in yeah. that passing moment. Um, yeah. Oh my goodness.
0: Yeah. This is gonna be <laughs> a long right. one, but we're we're yeah. getting into it. That's all right. That's
1: okay. It's good. It it is, it feels like we're getting getting our our podcasting legs back.
0: We are. Um, yeah. yeah.
1: All right. Let's 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 read another poem.
0: Let's read another poem. Let me pull it up. Okay, so this is Elegy for the Self-Portrait by Adam Clay. Can there be more than one voice? I say these words, and hear you speak them. You hypothesize that when tracing the path of our words to sentences, we will find the thoughts arrive from the same grassed-over cave. I am platonically in love with my new best friend.
1: I wish there was a way via podcast to, like, I don't know, make the noise of me, like, looking up and smiling. (laughs) (laughs) Because I I, I got this from you last night, and I was like, oh, we got a real short one. We got to zoom in to think about this poem. (laughs) Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, Tell me about it. Why did you choose this poem?
0: Well, so I texted you. About, a, I was thinking about rereading some Paul Salon because I hadn't read any Paul Salon for like maybe 10 years. But when I went to my bookshelf, uh, my two year old had yanked out Adam Clay's book, The Wash, and it was lying on top of the salon. And so I got distracted and was like, I'm just going to read some Adam and never got around the salon. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but this poem really like jabbed me in the heart. It really hit close to home. I feel like it's a perfect distillation of. Um, feeling of what it's like to really connect with someone to just like really absolutely click with them Mm -hmm. and form a friendship and i haven't seen my friends in nearly a year because we're in the middle of a pandemic and i miss my friends and i was really delighted by this lyric about becoming friends Mm -hmm. um so yeah that that really spoke to me um i know we're going long but a quick aside about this book is um i picked it up when i was working my old job at a used bookstore uh, we did online shipping, and then we had like a normal brick-and-mortar store. Okay, yeah. Uh, so I was uh, mostly in responsible for shipping, but I worked in the store sometimes. Um, and so people would sell us books, and the way we decided what went online and what went into the store was if the book online was worth over $5 according to Amazon's pricing system, <laughs> which is just – Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, listing something online, obviously, you have a bigger customer pool, and it's just not worth it to list anything under five dollars, right? Online. Right. Uh, but yeah, we were like the whole business model was like completely dependent on Amazon, which never felt good, um, and I know the owners didn't like it, but it's it's just you know a reality. And for whatever reason, small press poetry always did pretty well <laughs> on those scans, and I I now wonder if it's because like there aren't a lot of printings of small press poetry right and this bookstore was in evanston illinois right around the corner from northwestern so i assume you know there was a northwestern university so i assume there was a lot of uh, college kids selling me books back or whatever um but I like no
1: you worked in that little place yeah 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 mm-hmm. oh i love that place oh, you must have oh. been
0: i think this was the entirety of your mfa when i worked there. <laughs> right okay okay <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah um but uh it was, um, and there are like two or three places. This this place I, I know the owner sold the place I worked at a few years ago, okay. so I doesn't exist anymore. But uh, okay, I'll say off air which which one it was. But um, small press poetry always did well. It wasn't worth like the original fifteen or twenty dollar price of the book, but hovered in like the four to ten range. So okay. we shelved a lot of small press poetry, and we sold a lot of small press poetry online.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I had a rule that anything that went up to the store that I really wanted. I gave it a week on the shelves, and then I was just buying it myself. <laughs> <laughs> and the gimmick of the bookstore was um, the owner called it deli-style books. Uh, we weighed the books, so you paid for mm-hmm. books by weight. Um, so small press poetry was like two bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so I bought a lot of stuff. And I am realizing that I am publicly admitting to Adam Clay um, that I owe him like 15 dollars <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, but in my defense i was making minimum wage at the time and this was the only way i could get my hands on a so, this is the only way i could justify the cost so adam if if, if if we ever meet up in person i'll i'll make sure to have cash on me <laughs> but <laughs>
1: That's fantastic.
0: Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was better than AWP, man. Like, you go to the AWP bookstore, doesn't even compare. <laughs> or AWP Book Fair. The Book Fair, uh, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't compare.
1: Oh, yeah. The deals there are not as good. <laughs> Can't compare. Not,
0: not $2 for a book. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> Dolly style is so good.
0: And people gave us, um, I, I, I know uh, Poetry Magazine is uh, is is not the coolest topic to talk about right now. We were in the middle of uh, some content warning stuff. uh, um, Another scandal with poetry magazine. But people would sell us uh, poetry magazines, and the owner was like, "Well, these are worthless. We can't stock these. No one buys them." Right. And so I just take them. I just because it was either my bookshelf or the recycling bin. So I just absolutely took a bunch of poetry magazines. And I was also like, I know these are free if I just go downtown, but like, um, aren't they free at the Poetry Foundation? I
1: don't know if they are. Oh, maybe. maybe they were once upon a time, but I don't know.
0: I think they were once upon a time. But anyway, okay. yeah. I just picked them up. I was just like, well, if you're going to recycle them, I'm just going to take them home. So I, I, gotta-
1: I thought the same thing in used bookstores where it's like, how are you trying to get a dollar for this? Like, there's no way.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah. A poetry magazine from June 2006. Like, nobody's <laughs> dropping a dollar on this and august 2016
1: you know? right i mean i mean it's, it's unfortunate and like i'm sure there is a way to for someone to get a bunch of them and, and make some use of it but yeah uh, that's a reality for a used bookstore yeah womp, womp. yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right we, we so that's, that's yeah. how i picked up this book i just thought that was a funny aside i always was struck by how much small press poetry was either was worth more than a lot of other things right right um, yeah like Big time, like big selling bestsellers were not worth as much as small press poetry frequently. Um,
1: so. I, th- I think I think that's exactly it. It's just you know those, those bestsellers just so many in circulation, right? Um, and and I know I go to use book bookstore and I see that small press book that I have thought about buying but haven't got. You yeah. know, and you know it's five dollars less. Hell yeah, I'm gonna yeah. Right for
0: yeah. right. poets, all, we're all poor. All the poets are poor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did just want to share that because I thought that was
1: story. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah um take me back into the poem yes what's the move we're going to talk about
0: the move is it does this thing that i'm sure there's a term for uh, (laughs) where there's a really blunt turn at the end um do you know james wright's poem lying on a hammock at william duffy's farm in pine island minnesota
1: It's one of those things where I forget that he wrote that poem and I forget that it's called that, but then every time it comes up, I go, oh yeah, that poem.
0: Yeah. I actually Googled the last line. Right. Last poem. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) so, So it's in this poem, there are like a lot of descriptions of like just lying on a hammock in a farm and it's like really florid lyrical descriptions. And then it just, a blunt, like, wait, how many lines are in there? Like, eight, ten, one, two, three, twelve lines on line 13. He's just like, I've wasted my life. (laughs) And that's the end of the poem. Uh, And this poem does that, does a similar thing, where uh, the ending line reveals what he's building up to. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like the, I really like the parenthetical around the last line. Mm -hmm. Um, In my reading, anyway, it takes us inside the speaker's head. Where like the whole poem is the speaker being like, man, I really like this person, and I don't want to come on too strong, or I don't want to be too expressive, or I'm like someone I just met, but like you're clicking, and you have that kind of feeling, and you just like you realize in the back of your mind, like oh, I'm, I'm I'm like in love with this person, platonically, but you know, or or not platonically, it doesn't matter, but the, that's what the poem is. Um, it's a journey through those emotions, um, mm-hmm. and also formally. Form, formally how short the poem is! I feel like it's kind of reflective of how, when you're making that connection with a new person, you can have conversations that go on for hours. I feel like the last ten minutes, like that. yes. Do you yes. know that Einstein quote that's probably apocryphal and kind of problematic. The uh, um, if you put your hand on a hot stove for a minute, it feels like an hour, and if you spend an hour with a beautiful woman, it feels like a minute that's what the theory of relativity is. Have you ever heard this?
1: I've heard that. I don't think I remember someone attributing it to Einstein. That like blows it up in a really absurd way. It's like one of those things that is already like an eye-rolly thing. I get what you're saying. Right. It's already super crazy. you had to put it that way. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but the idea of being Einstein totally changes. And it doesn't even change it that much, but it's just, it's funnier to picture. <laughs>
0: right. Right. It's one of those things that, Either has to be like totally made up or could be totally true because I feel like Einstein was a little bit of a creep somehow. Um, I don't know, we don't want to get, yeah, that, but uh, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like this poem like formally does that by being so short, by being such a, a snapshot, right? It's just like, yeah, you're connecting with someone over the course of hours, but it feels like minutes, you know.
1: I, I really love everything you just said. Um, I don't. I would not have made the connection to the James Wright poem, to the I have wasted my life without you having done it. Um, but I think, I, I think you're absolutely right that there's a similar effect going on there. Um, and I'm trying to remember what I was reading recently, and it honestly might just have been like a Twitter thread that brought up that <laughs> sure. poem, and, and whether that's a good move or not, or I don't know, or, you know, yeah, ways to emulate that. Um, but I, I, yeah, I it's wish not I had something that. I would try. Agreed.
0: Yes, that is a. a... It might be something I would try, but not show to anybody.
1: <laughs> well, it's it's a risky, difficult move. Yeah, and I do think people have tried to do something like it, and and it's probably been less successful. But again, like what's happening here, you know, it's that relatively, I, I, I guess part of what describes that move is that idea that, I guess, like before, we we're saying a title should be instructive. Um, and yeah. in this kind of poem, that last line is so essential and instructive that without it, I almost don't know how to read the first part.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know? definitely. Yeah, because the first part is entirely like all this without the last line. The first part is entirely just like, you know, it's like these voices melding together. It's like there's mm-hmm. humanization happening. Um,
1: uh, it's just pretty abstract. Yeah. You know, but yeah, because it's,
0: it's it's. it's it's thinking about talking to someone like that yeah right right um, um but it's words and yeah words by themselves are abstract um there's no real except for like the is the grassed over cave like the first real image we get
1: it might be i think so and it's a great image yeah. oh my gosh <laughs> I, yeah uh, tracing the path of words is, is close you know there's an image in there but you know yeah it's not as concrete so i have two two directions that i want to go kind Of thinking about it that way, the first, I guess, the easier one, even though it's a little bit sidetracky, is is like you said, I um, I a million percent get that feeling. We are hanging out with someone new, and you're like, I really just want to tell this person that I actually want to be friends with them, like, yeah, want to yeah. Be, like, and, and you don't want to come up too strong. But as you were describing that, um, you reminded me, I feel like you might have been you were at least there during the day, I just don't remember if you were at the bar. I'm thinking Andersonville and not on like the main stretch, but there was a, oh, it's going to drive me crazy that I can't remember the name of the bar. It's definitely closed now. I and mean, it's definitely like one block west of Clark.
0: Oh, was it, it a uh, corner bar? Um, it was on Ashland and. Uh, Ashland, Brewer. yes. It was Uh, was it Edgewater Tap
1: Room? Was that it? Edgewater Tap. Yes. Yeah. Oh my
0: gosh. Yeah. Um, so we so went there we, after uh, basketball games a lot
1: right absolutely yeah um and we had been there um after at least for me the first time i feel like was he visiting or he had already moved there but it was the first time i met ben um oh sure and so there's a group of four pat nolan was definitely there there's a group of four or five of us there um and uh we're having beers and just like this uniform like wow i really like ben ben is cool we should be friends with (laughs) (laughs) I think I got vetoed at the, like, someone texts Chris to oh, tell Ben we really liked him.
0: But... <laughs> so, wait, not vetoed, but someone beat you to it.
1: I don't know if someone did. I, no, I think someone did veto. I'm like, no, that's too much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, was, that sounds like a bad thing to say. <laughs> um,
1: All that... right, bringing us back to the poem, though. <laughs> um, what I wanted to ask is, because uh, I... I took just the self-portrait at the end of this and moved it into the lineage of poems that are self-portraits or self-portrait as, um, but this is actually elegy for the self-portrait, and I wanted your take on how you read that title.
0: I think it's the, the self-portrait vanishing, the, uh, the connection you make with another human being. Okay. You realize you're not so different, um, mm-hmm. but self-portrait vanishing, I mean that in a positive way. I mean, self-portrait right. vanishing is in like you're making a connection with someone you feel a little bit less alone. Right. Um, Love it. And, uh, I mean, an elegy I would usually associate with something more, like, wistful and, like, longing mm-hmm. for a self-portrait. But this, I feel like, is, like, a celebration of, like, uh, of of just feeling less alone in the world.
1: I think that's part of, um, like, why it works is because that makes that end line a little bit more of a surprise. Yeah. Is that elegy sets you up for, oh, this is a sad thing that's disappearing. Right. Um, but in this context, it's 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 a really lovely... Losing of yourself in the sense of the feeling left alone. And that's you're not exact. really losing yourself, but yeah,
0: love yeah, it. That's oh. exactly how I'm reading it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, all right, um, boy, we've ran long, but um, <laughs> let's talk at least a little bit more about this poem beyond the page. Um,
0: uh, yeah, beyond the page. I, I'm just. Uh, I'm. It's. I'm going to repeat myself. It is. Uh, it. It struck me because I miss people. I. <laughs> I, I, I just. It's been kind of a brutal few months mental health wise for me, um, mm-hmm. especially since we used to like during the summer uh this past summer during the pandemic uh Mallory and our kid and I were taking daily like walks so we we're at least getting mm-hmm. out of the house and um, we do have our uh our pod friends that also like have similar work from home things and go nowhere else and they uh have kids that are right around. Our kids age, but that's just that is a couple and they're twins, you know. Um right. and uh and they are good friends, but um I miss my other friends. I miss being along being among large groups of friends, I miss uh seeing friends somewhere besides a house or um, <laughs> or a backyard. Um and I just miss people. Um yeah. and there's you know, there's Zoom, there's texting, there's Twitter, there's Slack, there's all this stuff, but just not the same, and uh, so it just hit me like you can't have, you can't have types of conversations that this poem is describing to me. Right over Zoom. Uh, right. Uh, I mean, if you can, good on you. But I don't, <laughs> I don't feel like you can.
1: You know? no, I I agree that like all of the other ways to connect with people that we have right now, um, I'm very grateful for. Yeah. But doing a year of it just really rubs it in your face how much it is not at all uh, comparable and not a replacement for actual quality time
0: with yeah. other people
1: and I, I mean I think part of why we're going long today is that like even this kind of conversation you know I mean, this is our second time back recording but you know um we haven't <laughs> I haven't had had a chance to have this kind of conversation right. in, in months right um, I mean even this week I had a a work meeting. Um, And it was just, it was just being introduced to people really. Um, But, you know, I've, I've only had, because of the pandemic and because of, yeah, our campus is not fully open. um, I've only had a few chances to meet coworkers, even via zoom, um, you know, and uh, even that felt refreshing. Yeah. Oh, here are these, here are these people to talk to, you know, Uh, because right now it's just, it's a lot of me and my students and that's it. And, uh, you know
0: grocery store <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah like, that's, it's 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 pretty weird. much it. yeah we see uh we see we see our our our, our friends uh our, our our family that we uh, we share quarantine time with and then i yeah mostly talk to the guy at the corner store i don't even talk to people <laughs> at the corner store and that's not even pandemic related. i i just i'm like here are my items how's your day thank you very much <laughs> have a good rest of your day like i've never been a, a store talker or whatever right you know? right um, even less so now in the pandemic um right. yeah and it's just yeah you said you mentioned we're coming up on a year and it's just like it's just so crushing that it's yeah, been a year for sure um and that the the vaccine's out there's a light at the end of the tunnel but right. even that's a couple months away
1: oh i mean that has totally changed the tone in the sense of like oh, it's so close, but it's, it's not that, it's still not that close. And right. that, that has changed people's behavior and so frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I will say I, in, in positive motion towards, I mean, I guess, again, I, I did this fully understanding the risk I'm teaching um, two days a week in person this semester and just like getting out of my house and going somewhere and having a routine is incredible for my mental health. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Um and those classes are really small, which is nice, but it's still just, like, nice to be around people.
0: Yeah, um, and nice to just, like, see a different set of four walls. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, this, is, this is well beyond the poem and, and making friends and that kind of stuff. But the other thing that's been really good for my mental health uh, is I got an exercise bike. <laughs> um, and so an hour a day. Nice. on the exercise bike i've been reading for like the first 30 or 40 minutes of it and nice. i'm watching like about 20 minutes of great british bake off while i'm on the exercise bike.
0: those are two good things to do on an exercise bike that's great so
1: good it is totally like re-unlocked reading for me i've had a lot of struggle reading during the pandemic just very on and off i can't do poems when i'm on the bike um but it's it's pushed me to grab some fiction grab some nonfiction, fiction nice um, and, and to like feel okay about like I don't need to read this that seriously. Like I'm doing this as part of passing the time for exercise and that feels so good. Sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We did uh we did something similar. We got a treadmill recently and it's not my favorite method of working <laughs> out, but um, it's about the only thing that can fit in our house. Cause our right. place is kind of small and it can <laughs> fold up and fit in the closet. Yep. Um, I've actually, I've taken a little bit of an opposite tack to you. I have either been rereading poems Ooh. Or I've been so like not not new stuff that I have to like super focus, right? Stuff, like but I, I picked up the uh, uh, the Red by Chase uh, Bergeron that right. you uh, read on the podcast a little while ago, and I was like, okay, I know what the conceit of this book is, and I know um, I know the story of Dracula pretty well, so I think I can read this while running, and I'll of course go back and read it, you know, more closely and fully and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But um, since those poems are so short and compact there. I find myself like, I find that book has been really good to like, just like blast through. Cause I know what the since it's an erasure poem, I know what the original story is and I know what the mm-hmm. goal of the book is. So right. I'm just like, I, I don't have a lot of reading time also. I should, I should clarify Fair. as yeah. a, a two year old, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, um, but yeah, I've been reading that book in the tremble, and it's like, otherwise it might take me another year to get to it. And now I'm right. just, <laughs> blasting through it um and uh, so that's been fun um yes yeah, that's a good thing nice. to
1: keep the so there's some positive thoughts yeah, on our way yeah. out <laughs> yeah uh, i'm glad you brought this poem in like that just this felt very different to me um than anything i've read lately nice um, and i i i feel like adam is a poet that i know of and i'm like what have i read you know i definitely yeah. not read a full collection um this makes me excited to check out some more
0: i need to get more in adam i've read uh, i've read the wash and i i have read um a bunch of other magazine published stuff right. i've seen right. him read a couple times oh nice but um i haven't picked up any other collections and i i, I need to it's uh, um he just had a book come out. Um, oh, the title's so rad. It's like a, I'm looking it up by the ocean. Something to make room for the sea. To make room for the does, sea. Does it what get title? any more
1: Chris Core than
0: that? It's right up my alley. Um, <laughs> and I uh, it, uh, it it it. It came out. I had a couple expenses, and then the holidays hit, and I was like, "I need to get this book, but I don't have the money right now." So yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's definitely on my list. Um, but yeah, Adams Adams an endlessly, endlessly interesting poet that I uh, I have not done enough uh, deep dives on. Add it, add it to the list. Yeah.
1: All right, take us out with some basketball.
0: Let's talk some ball. Uh, we're talking <laughs> about self portraits, which is you know, as we mentioned up top, typically a visual art form. Uh, there's a term in basketball, in the NBA, uh, especially when someone dunks on another dude, they call it, uh, getting put on a poster or getting posterized, which, uh, usually is like a derogatory thing. Like, oh, he put him on a poster, but like, my hot take is that if you try on defense, you just get put on posters sometimes. Like, that's what a train to walk a shot is sometimes. It just happens. That said, I don't try on defense, so... You know. <laughs> So my question is, uh, whose poster would you be most okay with being put on? That's a um, worded sentence, but uh ends in a preposition. My dad's going to be mad about this episode. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I
1: love that framing, um, and I would love to be framed on a uh, teenager's wall as the guy who's getting dunked on. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Face just buried in someone else's knees. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I love that you say, like, generally in the NBA, because it's like there was never a danger of uh, anyone getting posterized, um, at least any adult games that the two of us have been involved in. Right.
0: <laughs> no and one's getting college getting, uh, like dunking was banned until, like, I don't know, six months ago or something like that. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you know, the uh, the go-to easy answer is just, yeah, it's just like, getting just smashed by Sean Kemp. Yeah, Sean <laughs> Kemp, so, Kemp. So cool and so memorable. Yeah, you you would brag about that. <laughs> yeah. Um I guess with that idea of Sean Kemp, <laughs> is uh if it's going to happen to me, I want it to be that really forceful. I'm trying to think who he did it on, but there's that there's that one like Scotty Pippen dunk where it's just like so... In, you know, the other guy goes flying. It's on Patrick.
0: Kevin, come on, it's on, Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Scotty and Patrick stop being friends. Scotty, says <laughs> he regrets it, <laughs> it's one of my favorite dunks in history.
1: Um, so in addition to just the answer of Sean Kemp, I mean, Scotty would be great.
0: Yeah. Scotty is a great dunker, and it never gets tough. He does. It. He a really good not
1: um, is that I want my poster not just to me being jumping up. I you know I love I love a, I'm a verticality fan. One of the one of the few people. You
0: are a verticality.
1: Fan. <laughs> uh, shout out to my guy Roy Hibbert. Um, yeah, I don't You're just want to be jumping. <laughs> I just, I don't want to just be jumping straight up. I want to I want to be pushed down uh, aggressively and to really feel it and to you know be on YouTube highlights. Sure. Uh, for the end until end
0: time. I, you know, I can respect it. Um, that, that exact formulation, uh, came to my head like Sean Kemp is of course the first name that comes to mind in these conversations. Um, I always try with NBA stuff to not make, uh, Michael Jordan, the default answer, but Michael Jordan <laughs> also came to mind. Of course. It rad dunks. Um, so since you went with the forceful route, I'm going to go in a different direction. Uh, I want, and this isn't about pride or anything like that. It's, 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 it's not about like, I don't want to get hurt. It's just like, I want an acrobatic dunk done on me. (laughs) So like John Wall had a 360 degree layup on somebody uh, like four years ago. And it was just like, I think it was on DeMar DeRozan uh, back when DeRozan was on the Raptors and Wall was on the Wizards and it was so sick. And it was just like, like, he jumped and contested it, and he just, like, mm-hmm. spun literally around his whole body. You know, <laughs> it was a layup. It wasn't a dunk. Um, right. I almost want to say I wouldn't mind being Frederick Weiss. I wouldn't mind Vince Cardle jumping over me. Or, like, Ja Morant doing something like oh, that. Oh,
1: Ja Morant dunking on you would be awesome. Like, Ja Morant, oh just like,
0: coming up and, like, yeah, just, like, either leapfrogging me or, like, spinning <laughs> one like a 180 around me and right. like one of the over the heads kind of thing. <laughs> um yeah, something acrobatic where it's like where it's like we both leave our feet at the same time, mm-hmm. but I don't even touch the guy because he's just like avoiding me. You know
1: twisting turning.
0: Yeah. Uh, 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 twisting or turning or straight up jumping over. Just jumping right. yeah. <laughs> something like that. Something like really like graceful. Um and acrobatic, I would call, I love it. You know, it would, something like that. Yeah, let's go, John Moran. Uh as much <laughs> I love, Vince Carter. Uh let's go John Moran.
1: Um, uh I, I apparently you know, the, there's there's uh whatever to think piece uh catching up with Frederick Rice, Frederick Weiss, and and he says that dunk ruined his life. So <laughs> Yeah,
0: it, it it did. He never came to the NBA. He'd been drafted to that point point he never came over to America. <sighs> I I feel a little bad.
1: It's so incredible. I've
0: seen that highlight 150
1: times. It's so incredible. It shouldn't
0: be real. Yeah, it's it's nuts. Uh, Yeah, he was seven foot three. I mean still is, he's still alive
1: um so the the poem challenge for next week um is uh self portrait as Frederick Weiss being dunked on by Vince Carter no go write your poem
0: it's just, it's just gonna be a poem about like drinking somewhere being like I used to be on the national team <laughs> oh,
1: like self
0: portrait as a bodyguard in some Eastern European bar. <laughs>
1: well there you have it that's what happens when we talk about trying to uh, portray ourselves <laughs> in poems
0: uh, we get dunked on we get dunked on and we, uh... <laughs> all self portraiture lead back to Frederick Weiss
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my
0: alright well that's an episode uh, we uh, will be back next week bye now